0: Ask Your Bishop, the program that examines the teachings of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints with a biblical perspective for the love of the Mormon people. I'm Lance Earl, and this is part one of a two-part podcast where we examine my own personal journey and how I came to be in the chains of legalistic Mormon zealots. This episode is about a period of time that for us uh, occurred over a period of years and and was incredibly devastating. My wife, Gracie, she calls these the, the dark years and truly they were. And I'd like to tell you how we came to find ourselves in such horrific darkness and why so many people are still there today. I'm going to dig in deep and share a lot of information that for me is very personal, and yet it's important that it get out because it is also epidemic among a certain group of people known as the Mormons. Gracie calls these the dark years, and truly they were. It was a darkness that was so thick and so heavy, it it was truly suffocating. You see, I was a zealous and dedicated Mormon in almost every way. I found the doctrine to be painfully demanding sometimes, and it was frustrating. But still, I believed and reasoned that the problem was with me. And certainly, it could not have been, at least in my view, the church or (laughs) its God-appointed leadership. And so I kept trying to improve and to line up with the legalistic demands in that environment where failure was guaranteed. You hear a knock and open to find two young men with white shirts and black name tags. Are you prepared to share the biblical Jesus, or will you simply send them away? AskYourBishop.com is here to help. At that time, I was also a passionate constitutional defender with a drive to restore the United States to its former glory and to that end. I wrote a weekly column for a major Idaho newspaper. Now, my writing was a curious blend of Mormon faith and constitutional freedom. On one occasion, I wrote a column and used quotes from the former Mormon president and prophet, Ezra Taft Benson, to support my opinions. I was surprised to learn that my stake president did not share my views And under his direction, my bishop called me on the carpet and insisted that I no longer speak publicly of my faith or of the church, and the penalty, if I did so, would be that I would lose my temple recommend. This was the opening scene of what Gracie calls the dark years, and truly they were. The conflicts and contradictions were these— First, the church teaches that any man who is deemed unworthy to hold a temple recommend cannot be saved or exalted in the celestial kingdom, which is the highest kingdom in the Mormon version of heaven. It is the place where everyone wants to go, and to take away my recommend was to deprive me of all of those things which are most cherished by the Mormon people. Secondly, the church demands that its members boldly, and I mean boldly, share their faith, share their testimony, open their mouth, and tell the world about the wonders and well benefits of Mormonism. That was a demand. That was a requirement. You see, we were told every member a missionary, and so we tried to be just that. So in this situation where I was told that I could no longer speak of my faith, my church leaders insisted that I could remain worthy of salvation and exaltation if I rejected and turned my back on the Mormon commandment to be a missionary, to reach out and share my faith. In other words, by intentionally rejecting the commands and demands of the Mormon church, I could earn the approval of my leaders, the church, and its Mormon God. The requirement was crazy for me. You see, it was that I must do wrong to establish my rightness. Now, how do you establish rightness? By doing evil. I I couldn't resolve this in my mind. I struggled with it, and I just couldn't make it fit. You see, wrong was right and right was wrong. The Bible tells us of a time when people will call evil good and good evil. And I found myself literally in that position at that time. And there was no way, there was no way that I could understand or comprehend how what was happening would be acceptable before God. So I received the warning and went home a little bit frustrated. And a few weeks later, I wrote another column. And in that column, I talked about the church. I talked about my faith. I talked about freedom. And I quoted a Mormon prophet. I was immediately summoned and and directed to present myself in the office of the bishop and surrender my temple recommend, which I did. Driving home that night, I was so frustrated that... Well, I stopped at my son-in-law's house to vent a little bit. And this was a strange thing for me because, you see, he was a Christian. And this was the first time in my life, I think, that I had ever reached out for a Christian to help me resolve a theological conflict. But I found myself there. You see, I turned to him because... The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the only true church on the earth as far as I was concerned, the church that held all the keys, the church that had leadership appointed directly by God through revelation, that church had no answer, so I had to look elsewhere. So I stopped and talked with my son-in-law. Now, to his credit, he desperately tried to help me understand that it was crazy, insane to allow mere men that kind of authority over my life. I, and, and I heard what he said, and it made sense. And yet at the same time, I was still trapped by Mormon theology, by Mormon doctrine, by Mormon, uh, well, you know, that told me that I must sustain my leaders. It told me that they were called of God. It told me that I would be wicked and wrong if I didn't stand up and defend everything they said. And yet, at the same time, I struggled and found myself unable to do that because wrong is wrong, and a godly man can't deny that. And I was trying, I was trying, even though I was Mormon at the time, I was trying desperately hard to do the right thing before God. As my struggle continued, friends and family stepped in and tried to help me resolve this, help me to get past a very difficult spot. And they shared with me a doctrine that that I had heard a thousand times, a doctrine that I had believed, a doctrine that I supported and never questioned until then. So let me share it with you. This is a quote. Ezra Taft Benson, in a speech called The 14 Fundamentals of Following the Prophet, quoted Marion G. Romney, who said these words in a conference in 1960, and it says, my boy, you always keep your eye on the president of the church, and if he tells you to do something, and it is wrong, and you do it, the Lord will bless you for it, unquote. What? You see, I believe this because I truly believed that no God-called leader of the church would ask me to do something wrong, and yet here it was. Here it was before me. And so I never questioned the wisdom of this teaching until it applied to me in a way that would destroy me. Now here's the rub. While these people, family and friends, were genuinely trying to help me, they were telling me, even though your leadership is technically wrong, even though they are asking you to do things that are not right, even though it is evil and wicked, I would... Be right, I would be correct in following their direction because in the end I will be blessed for obedience and God will pay no mind to my intentional wrongdoing. Ah, I couldn't I, I couldn't make that work in my mind. This concludes part 1 of our podcast. Check back tomorrow for the rest of the story. Askyourbishop.com is exactly what the name suggests. This is the place where Mormon doctrine and biblical theology are compared and contrasted. Each topic includes a series of questions the Mormon people cannot answer. And when they ask their bishops, they also will be confounded.